Table Fries is a new podcast hosted by Gene Hopkins, Chief Marketing Officer at Lola.com. Gene has built and led marketing teams, authored top-selling marketing materials, and served on advisory boards all around Greater Boston. With Table Fries, Gene sets out to interview every woman working at Lola.com. Gene will talk about motivation, what makes a good day, and we'll connect the dots between guests in a special way. At Table Fries, there's always room to share. So grab small plates and don't forget the dipping sauce. To find all the new and previous episodes of Table Fries, check out your favorite podcast platforms or visit us at lola.com slash table fries. And don't forget, Gene is building Boston's next great B2B marketing team at lola.com. So be sure to stay updated on new roles at the lola.com careers page. Table Fries, where sharing is caring. With me today is Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa. How are you? I'm doing good. We have a lot of questions that we like to ask people. And the very first question is, how did you come to join Lola? So I believe you started as a wombat. I did. As do so many of the guests on Table Fries. So share with us, please. Yeah. So I have been here about three and a half years, a little over. Holy moly's. Yeah. So I started back in December 2015. Uh-huh. Before this, I was working as a travel agent for like a brick and mortar like AAA. So mm-hmm. people actually still go in and sit down and talk with travel <laughs> agents, which was so wild to me. Went to college for travel and tourism. I was oh, Johnson and Wales. I have a bachelor's oh. in travel and tourism, oh, hospitality nice. management. And people are always like, what are you going to do with that? What What do you do with that degree? And I was like, you know, I want to design tours. You go on right. a guided tour. I want uh-huh. that, it, An that, experience. That job doesn't exist, actually, believe it or not. Really? <laughs> Where you travel the world and just create these crazy itineraries and people just buy them from you <laughs> in a sense. So I was working at AAA, kind of like my foot in the door travel mm-hmm. job I didn't love it it wasn't really for me what was the average age of people that came in um, did it involve walkers and double, canes double yes <laughs> yes significantly and that and honeymooners though too honeymooners, believe it or really? not which yeah. I thought was surprising a lot of people that like to go on cruises which is fun yeah. so I got we used to have a recruiter who worked here I got a LinkedIn message his name was Ty and he messaged me was like hey Alyssa Pauling is just starting a new company I think you'd be great for it I'd love to chat with you and I'm just kind of like Okay, like Paul English, Paul English. You know, did some Googling. I'm like, oh, Paul English. Right, like, right, yes. right. The Paul English. Yeah, so didn't have our first two phone interviews. Like, got disjointed. Miss, he called the wrong number or just, you know, a little bit. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this isn't real. So so he didn't have Eliza. No, yet. he did not have Eliza yet or Liz or anyone. So finally, get to the phone screen. I was on my way to an event in Randolph, Mass for Air Portugal um, in like Sata Airways to become certified. So I was on my way to a travel event and chatted him up. He was like, I love this. Like, I think you should talk to Stacy. Mm-hmm. I think I talked to Stacy for maybe 10 minutes on the phone. Mm-hmm. I was on my way to my second job. I worked two jobs at the time. I was a server. And she's like, come in. <laughs> have you have you talked to Ashley or Rachel before oh, yeah. me? So the, the interview instructions are go down the alley, first unmarked door <laughs> on the right. It's unmarked, ring the doorbell. And, yeah. and you don't know the name of the company yet. And you're just, what is going on? Yeah. Came in, I met with a ton of people. I met with Paul Schwenk, Billow, he's for your older mm-hmm. execs. Met everyone and then met with Stacy, obviously. Interview with Rachel. I had never worked for a startup before. Mm-hmm. I was young. I didn't really ever play around with the idea of a startup. It was kind mm-hmm. of a new concept to me. And I really loved it. Stacy actually offered me the job the day of and just, you know, take some time, think mm-hmm. about it. Uh-huh. And I was in such a space in my life where I didn't love where I was. I didn't love where I worked. I didn't really care about you. 
this place really seemed like something awesome oh, okay. was happening. And right. Stacy just like, she cares about people. Oh, she does. And you know, I was like, you know what, what do I have to lose? What does a 23 year old really <laughs> have to lose? And yeah. I didn't, and um, here I am. And you're still here. Yeah. And you've really evolved in, in the organization. So, you know, you, you, how long were you a wombat? Okay, so I was a wombat, and then I was the overnight supervisor for the wombats. Then I was a travel consultant manager, and then I've been in QA for a year. Uh, QA, yeah. and which is a very, very important yeah. role. So you've been doing QA, and one of the things that you were doing initially, I remember I joined about eight months ago, and I remember... It's only been eight months. <laughs> I know. Gina, I feel like you've been here forever. <laughs> Like, it's, not, it's not even eight months yet, but almost. It, uh, Saturday, it'll be eight months. So eight months. And uh, when I first came here, I remember that, that one of the big things that you were working on is you were working on taking care of bugs in the system. Because every software has bugs. Everyone does. It doesn't make any difference how perfect it is, how good it's been QA'd and stuff. Once people start using it, they start finding bugs. And you were getting so many kudos for all the work of being able to like bat these out of the out of and it must have made you feel good I think that bug and Alyssa are the same word <laughs> for a while it was really cool that was one of the first projects I took over so I started QA in April and I think by the end of May we had our first round of the bugs process so mm -hmm. going from not really having anything but people mm -hmm. just kind of emailing Jayhan who did a lot of the QA before me and just like <laughs> maybe this will get fixed and then wombats are talking to people live and like how do you solve the problem of this is urgent like mm -hmm. also how do you make their working environment better it's very mm -hmm. stressful to, like you care so much about your customer and you want to help them but mm -hmm. you don't know how to help them mm -hmm. um, so it was really cool and it's it's cool to see how much it's grown over mm -hmm. the past year too. Oh, yeah. And where I mean, the, product, the product is just so different. And I mean, the number of people that have joined the company and the, the amount of engineering support. So as you can tell, everybody that started as a wombat that's been here has been your experience and everything that you've done has been able to help inform mm -hmm. the software and the interactions and everything that you're doing. So I just have to ask a question about the AAA. I always wonder when people are like have a walker or have a <laughs> no, and I mean, you know, they're older and they've retired and they've decided that they're going to take the trip, mm -hmm. the trip, and they're really not in good enough health to mm -hmm. be able to kind of take a trip. I mean, I think it would be very frightening um, not having the stamina or the ability or also to be away from your doctors or any kind of medical thing. That's got to be some scary things for some people. So I could actually speak to this personally. Um, my husband's mom has MS oh. and she's super fortunate that oh. she's, you know, still in great health in great shape but they're actually going on a river cruise in France this summer in July and she has started now just walking a little more every day mm -hmm. and like these are like it's something that you really do have to plan for so mm -hmm. you know these people coming in and booking these trips it is the trip of their lifetime and like I retired all my grandkids just got married or something and it's something they've been planning for for years like this Decades. is their end goal yeah so and that's a lot of pressure on the person booking it oh, as yeah. a travel agent you know you want yeah them to have I will never forget I had this one woman Anne come in and she booked a like a river cruise river cru cruising is huge now because they're mm -hmm. smaller and smaller and they move slower too so you don't have to get off
on the boat. Yep, you can just yeah. kind of sit and watch and, and just, just observe and it if you want to. the boat isn't massive where you right. takes 25 to 40 minutes to get to one other side. Mm -hmm. Her husband had just passed away six months ago. She was oh. going with her only daughter. You know, it was this huge trip. And like, I just remember like every single week, like I would call her and just be like, are you getting excited? What can I do for you? And like, I just wanted that to be like the best trip ever. And I remember when she got back, it was right before I actually left AAA mm -hmm. and she called me almost in tears. It was just like, this was the most fantastic so thing wonderful. and it is it's incredible how like you have to take into account like this is something someone's been mm. thinking about forever but yeah for the people who are elderly or maybe disabled like it is a lot of prep and planning yeah yeah may really have to think about it in many ways you know what you what you want to be able to do and I think we sometimes take it for granted being able-bodied or even business travelers for example I often wonder you're in the airport and you see people and there's a remark depending on where you're going, if you're going to Florida, if you're going someplace south, I always feel bad with all the people. Sometimes in the Atlanta airport, they'll have 20 people lined up in wheelchairs waiting. Yeah, waiting to get somebody to bring them into the oh, elevator hard. to go down to that train in order to go and get back up to baggage claim in order for them to leave the airport. I mean, honestly, they're like stacked up and because they don't have family members with them and they're waiting yeah. for it. They're waiting for the people that are part of the, the airport to be able to move them from point A to point B. And you wonder, is that a specific role of someone who works at that airport? Probably not. It might just... No, they're usually... And they're, how they're compensated is typically on tips. If you go there, they expect like 20 bucks to be able to bring you to the... Bring you in... I don't know. I, I just think it's kind of tough. Yeah. So let's not be sad anymore, okay? <laughs> but that was a lovely story. And when you're in business travel, the most important thing we try to do is make sure that people get to go get home yeah. you know let's get you home we'll yeah. figure that out is there a single word that would describe you I want to say relentless relentless okay but in my own definition okay. where if I believe in something or I want to go for something like I don't stop right I think that I am the type of person where I see something grab it and like I'll try and go for it so I'd say relentless well you did that with uh, with the the bugs project yeah. right everything that you're doing there is pretty awesome and, and continuing and just expanding expanding ex it, it's hard to build a workflow and hard to build a process and it's not people that are in that area you know usually have some sort of certification or some sort of interest in engineering or some sort of technical so it's so interesting that you've been able to apply your back around your experience and your education into something that makes so much sense. But I think you can relate to what travelers want yeah. and what their expectations are. You can definitely see that. And it's like, this doesn't make sense. Like, you know, search results or something. What was the last book that you read? I just finished reading Thinking in Systems by Donella Meadows. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, shout out to Rachel for yeah. having me read that. Um, I liked it. It was a little textbook-like, mm -hmm. but sh they do a good job also like applying the learnings to real-world situations. You mm -hmm. know, like how do you solve world hunger? World hunger is an issue because like a system is broken. It is. She actually is the author to sends like a deeper message about stay a learner, stay focused, mm -hmm. and care about things, not just like not the quantifiable ones, which mm -hmm. I thought was really interesting. Rachel's good for reading books and your homework assignments. So <laughs> after you finish that homework, what, what's your next one that you're going to read? I just ordered The Art of Thinking Big. I don't super know what it's about yet. It was recommended from a friend. I'm going to research it more when it gets here. 
Okay. But, More homework? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. When you go home at the end of the day, how do you know that you've had a good one? I'm so, like, process-driven. Mm -hmm. I think that when I get home and I feel like I like everything I did, I accomplished. So I know that they say to-do lists are bad. There's people out there that don't like to do lists. I do a weekly one, mm -hmm. so I have a weekly technical one. And I think that getting home and just like knowing like, okay, I moved this forward. Okay, I like got this to this place. Like I didn't leave this unanswered. And just being able to like get home and like know that is how mm -hmm. I know I had a good day. And that feels good to you. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, that's great to be that process driven. And so it's interesting that, because you're from the Providence, Rhode Island area, right? Yeah, so going to Johnson and Wales backyard kind of a thing mm -hmm. and picking that major. So did you have any of those kind of systems or any kind of process classes like in there? It's hard no. for me to imagine. Yeah, right. So I actually went to school as a hotel hospitality management major and JWU does a really cool thing where you do your kind of major classes first and mm -hmm. then the gen eds later. So you don't spend three years doing something and then decide, oh, this isn't for me. Right. And that major was a lot of like restaurant writing mm -hmm. cards and stuff and like restaurant management. And I was like, I don't, this isn't, it's just, I know this yeah. isn't what I want to do. Right. So I moved to travel and tourism because it was more interesting to me. My concentration was actually on tour group operations management. Mm. So like taking large trips on tours um, we went to London and like designed like a whole week like guided tour and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but no, nothing like this. I was gonna say the second part of me knowing I had a good day is when the train isn't delayed. Like yeah. actually get home. <laughs> you actually get home because yeah. sometimes that train is. Oh. Sometimes there was one day that you posted about how bad that train was back to Providence. Yeah. It was just a mess. Yeah. yeah. Was it a snow day? Was it one of those snow days? It honestly, I think, was the Patriots parade. <laughs> the Patriots. <laughs> and you just got bogged down. Yeah. There was 9 million people on the train. The one piece of advice you'd give to your 18-year-old self, that's a Stacy question. I had a tough time like thinking about this. I think I would tell myself to don't be afraid to be passionate about things. Mm -hmm. I think speaking as just like a woman growing up to like in this age where there's a lot of extreme people where like, you know, I'm super political and like I'm going to post about things all the time and then there's the people who are kind of afraid to even speak out mm -hmm. against those other people. And there's nothing wrong with either, but I think just myself personally, don't be afraid to just find something like, and just like really be passionate about it and mm -hmm. like be vocal about it. Yeah. I think that I care deeply about a lot of things, but sometimes I could actually be reserved about that. Well, I it's kind of hard to know context. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of, because I take the the commuter rail too sometimes going home to Mattapoisett and it bugs me to no death that I'm on the train and I'm in the quiet car. I've walked all the way to the car behind the engine, the one that has the little card stuck in it that says this is the quiet car. With the thing going, oh, you know, the announcements and everything. And I know that the conductor, they just don't say anything to anybody. Monday mornings, they're fine, but it's typically Friday afternoons. And what I've noticed is that people just won't go up to anybody and say, this is the quiet car. 
because you don't know how that person's going to react. And I can distinctly remember people just getting so like, what do you mean this is a quiet car? I can say anything that I want to, any, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and you're looking at them going, there's six other cars right there. Talk your little brains out. <laughs> and there's one little car. I think people are sometimes, and, and we're kind of in a weird sort of a society right now that people are so polarized that you're afraid of saying, the wrong thing. You don't want to talk about politics. You you don't want to talk about government. You don't want, you know, I mean, there's so many things that you just don't want to talk about. So let's talk about the weather. <laughs> and then there's people passionate about the weather. Yes. Passionate about the quiet car. You, I agree yeah. with you though, yeah. you know, like I'm passionate about rules. Like I yeah. would probably be pretty upset if the quiet car was rowdy. Well, it's not even, all it takes is one person having a conversation on their phone and it, like they're in their living room. And you get the whole car. Every, I mean, didn't you notice like nobody else is doing this? It's to be that unconscious of your surroundings cracks me up. So this is the Ashley question. And so you were in food service. What was your worst job and why? That wasn't my worst job. No. Okay. I worked in retail for years. Like I managed retail, which is also a very tough job. Oh, that is. My worst job was my very first job. Okay. I grew up in New Hampshire, so mm -hmm. I worked at a feed store. I was 15. So in New Hampshire, you can start driving at 15 and a half you don't Ooh. need a permit but you need an adult and great parents raised me the right way you know like you need to have a job if you want to drive the car or whatever mm -hmm. so I was like okay so I work at this feed store it was a cashier job but I would scoop like bird feed <laughs> horse feed and this is why it was the worst job so we sold crickets crickets and every all to be fed to to feed lizards and stuff <laughs> no big deal right <laughs> every, there's five elementary schools in Derry New Hampshire I think and the fourth grade classes every spring get chameleons or geckos or, and someone gets to take them home. So there was an, all of a sudden this influx of all of these people coming in for crickets. And I mean, you know me enough to know that I probably don't really love like catching bugs. So it's like traumatizing. So I go in and you're supposed to count the crickets. So like if you want to buy 10 crickets, you know, for 10 cents a pop, you have to give them 10 crickets. So I pick up the little toilet paper thing that's in there, the egg carton, and I go to shake it. One cricket jumps on my hand I throw like this whole thing of probably a hundred crickets like fling it into the air like scream they're everywhere and like everyone's but, like that truly was my worst job based off that sole two weeks of like the crickets and that end experience so you just worked there for two weeks uh, no I worked there for a while but that was like there was a two oh, week span where the, before the chameleons got given away or something uh, yeah they, for the crickets they got let go into uh, the wild yeah that was my Start of retail though. I mean, retail's a hard Crickets. job. It is. Yeah. It is hard. You never know what. <laughs> That's too funny. Um, Got to tell Ashley that one. Would you prefer to be an individual contributor or a manager? This is an interesting question for me because I've been both, mm -hmm. and I've been both in different jobs. Mm -hmm. So I think it really depends on where you're at currently and what your mm -hmm. current goals are. So all through through college, I was an assistant store manager mm -hmm. in retail. And then I graduated college and because I was doing that, it's kind of like I moved into that with, um, I used to work for New Balance. And then from there I moved to AAA where I was an individual contributor. <laughs> And I didn't love being that individual contributor there, but I think I wasn't in the right place at the right mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And then I came here as a wombat. And yes, I was an individual wombat, but we were building something. Like we right. were building right. this awesome team, this awesome project, this awesome company. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to manage again. 
and I started, you know, taking over the supervising the overnight team, and then. I kind of shifted what I wanted to go, and then I moved back to being an individual contributor. So, like, I'm I'm like a weird case where I flip flop. You know what? It depends, as you just pointed out, that you know sometimes people say that they want to be a manager. In reality, what you're doing is you're managing thing. You're managing a program across the entire organization. No, you may not be managing specific people, but managing a program cross-functionally requires you to interact with them and get them to do things that they might normally not think of automatically, and that's management in leadership. What I want people to to be able to say, particularly the women um, that are on table fries, is to talk about leadership because you're a leader no matter what you're doing, right? You talked about I have a process, I take a look at this, I want to make sure that this is working. You're leading. You're leading this whole entire QA process throughout the, the organization because you're not an individual person just sitting here. I know Marina talks about it in a way that she says, I want to be creative and I can be creative as an individual contributor, if I'm a manager of people, in her mind, she's managing the function, the back office stuff. So here you are, you're being creative, and yet you're managing the entire process or program. And I try to encourage people to be able to think of themselves as leaders in what you're trying to do, because the bigger the company gets, like at AAA, you're a chair at a desk, you're a number, you're not a person, you're not Alyssa, but in this organization, you're Alyssa. We know <laughs> you're the bug. <laughs> you're the cricket. <laughs> no. So, no, no, not that. But do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you see what I'm trying to say? And I, I feel as though your experience is that it's it's been in different parts. You have different things that you're managing in order to have something go from point A to point B. And I want our folks here at the company to realize, as you've pointed out, that we're building something. And in the process of building that connective tissue, everyone's a leader. Beth likes to ask this question. What was, you've joined three and a half years ago. So what's been the most surprising thing? Anything that's been particularly surprising to you? I don't know if this is surprising, but honestly, I've never watched the company grow from 10, 15 people to almost over 100. Mm -hmm. And I think just honestly, like blink of an eye, like I got back in March, I took like a month off because I wasn't, I was on my honeymoon and so many new people. And then from there, it just like every week. And like, that's, I guess it surprises me how that really does happen. And it happens so quickly. Like people talk about it, like we're living it. And I'm like, wow, it's like, wow, we really do need more desks. Like, oh, like, well, I really don't know that person right now. I need to meet them. It's really cool though. It is. It's fun. And one thing that I've noticed from working in companies that have gone through this kind of process, sometimes people become disengaged the more people. And one thing that I really want people to work on is this connective tissue concept that people are not replacing people, they're augmenting, and it's up to us to be able to build these bridges between the departments so that we're stronger as a web. And then how we're actually able to grow, because you don't want to feel at 150, 200, 250 employees that you're disconnected. You want people to feel like they're part of the fabric of the organization. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Now, what, how do you, like, what do you think are best practices 
on not like that not happening and making sure that people don't disengage. You're bringing up an excellent point. I think the company does a very good job of making sure that we have good events. Like you mentioned Lola Quest to Connor. You've got to be here, Connor. You have to be here for that. So you've been here for all of them. So to you, you've got that sense of history. I don't know what to expect. I have either does Connor. And I keep thinking that you've been here, Jean. You think like you've been here forever. What you want to make sure is that people are connecting on multiple levels because you see people, you can eat with people, you can be in a meeting with people, you can have fun with people, you can do cornhole when I was throwing the little cornhole bags up into the rafters. Um, but you want to make sure that people can see different sides of you and also being able to provide and assist. It's learning other people's names. I think Eliza's done a magnificent job really with the has. onboarding and getting people so that they start to feel connected early on. The whole onboarding process and everything that we're doing in people ops, it's the right investment for the right size of the organization that we're in so that people feel like they're part of something bigger. Okay, Chrissy's question. Chrissy, number 10, she got 10. Right. Most interesting experience or trip? Do I have to talk about my honeymoon? Because like no, I have no, something no, so, no, no, so totally else. opposite and like not as exciting as going to Thailand. Um, younger. I used to competitively dance, actually. Both me and my and my siblings did. So we went to Disney World a lot, um, which like. <laughs> Um, oh, Disney World. I know. And, like, I just picture my dad in my head right now, like, oh, we're going to Disney World again. Um, so I actually um, stopped competitively dancing before my siblings did. So a cool thing that I got to go is, like, I had been there so many times. And then we went this one time where they were dancing. So they you know, dance on stage, and they're away all day. And it was just my dad and I. And we got to go in the tunnels underground Disney World, like, yeah. where all the employees go and see where they keep the costumes. And it was, like, kind of cool as, like, a little kid like I think I was maybe 11 like or 12 I was probably actually older than that I just think that as a little kid um, <laughs> to see like you know behind the magic and like right, actually right, like right. oh wow this is really like they have like a mechanical room and they have like oh Listen, like what an vending <laughs> machines and yeah. I'm like this is Disney World though yeah. um, I think that was just like a really cool kind of little experience I had as like a younger person that like I look back on now and I'm like oh that's interesting like people don't really get to see that and right don't really think about it. Like they think of Disney World like Mickey Mouse. Well, that's the, the it's, it's what they want you to be able to see. But once you understand all the work that goes into it, why is everything so clean there? Why is, you know, it's so, so clean. And everything, when you think about how they wash the sidewalks, they clean everything, they trim the bushes, they do everything in the middle of the night. So when you're there, occasionally you'll see somebody like sweeping up something. But what you're, it, there is a huge back office component to it, which is to make that experience, to have that Disney World experience, good, bad, or indifferent, that it's it's totally positive for, for people. But you looked at things, you're looking at things from an operations standpoint. How do these things work? It was cool. It was wild as a little kid, you know, and then you go back to school and you're telling everyone, like, oh, you don't know, like, they have tunnels and stuff, but... It was interesting. Yeah, the whole behind the scenes. Your favorite Lola value, Lola Pack, Wicked Loving, Customer Core, Hubble Learner. I want to go, I'm going to go with Customer Core mainly because I truly actually believe that put the customer at our center. I also started as a wombat. Like, I started at the Customer Core. Um, 
I mean, they're all great. They're great also the way that we communicate these out and like we try and eat, sleep and breathe them here. Like we really do, like we don't just have these values painted on a wall and like you look at them as you pass by, like we really try and incorporate them all the time here. All right. And is there anything that you would add to make Lola a better place to work? This is a Liz question. This is such a hard like. It is. Well, I, I said I wanted a kitchen. <laughs> I wanted a place we could eat. Can I say no? Because I know that we're moving in the right direction for things. Like we're moving to a new office space where we're all going to be on the same floor. And I think that's really going to make Lola better. That's going to make us more unified. We get to see each other. Yeah. And like right. really interact more yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess being on one floor being on one I, floor there you go can I use that as a cop-out you talked about your career path Alyssa so this is a Chelsea question would you have done something different I mean looking back on it now I know we talked about your 18 year old self and following your passion and you said that you you know going to Johnson and Wales then you you started in the the hotel management and then you move to a different major but would you have done something entirely different knowing what you know now not that it's been that long but you've got a whole bunch of years ahead of you <laughs> um i i think there's again like two types of people that you meet there are people that from the day they're seven years old and they know i want to be a doctor and they go and they go on and they become a doctor and that's their way, to, like that's their life fulfillment. And then there's the people who kind of like find their way. Mm -hmm. I think I definitely found my way. I don't think I would change it because I think that the travel and tourism degree is what made Ty find me on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and kind of, which made me get the job at AAA, which then made me not happy there and like be open to moving. So. It's, it's all good. good. Yeah, like I, I think I'm really just like I'm finding my way, but like I'm on like the right track, and I feel really good about it. That's, yeah. that's such a positive thing to be able to hear. You know, it's a, it, it, a lot of times people with their careers, it just it's a, you're tacking like, and not necessarily that you're going towards any specific uh, end game, but you're trying to figure out where do you fit in. But that's fantastic. Do you have any questions for me, Alyssa? I want to know like what's the most because I'm working on new processes all the time and driving things what's the most exciting thing you ever worked on oh geez I've been very, very lucky to work on a lot of very cool things in consumer products with the toy industry. Been able to do a lot of very strange and funny things. I think um, I sometimes use the example of the world's biggest webinar when I was at HubSpot. And the reason that it was kind of fun, it was a Guinness Book of World Records. We had over 32,000 people register for this webinar. And we had a judge that you had to have somebody from Guinness. You paid like $7,500. You had a judge come from New York City to adjudicate it to make sure that you had all those people. Now this was on August 23rd, 2011. I know it was a long time ago, but and why do I remember that date? Well, it was at one o'clock and this was at HubSpot um, headquarters and I had a backup. I had Hartley Brody was running the live stream and I had a service that was also doing the webinar because you needed to have a big, big service in order to have everybody log in when you've got that many people that are registered. Well, 32,000. I mean, it was kind of a big thing. It is a lot. And, but what happened was 10 minutes before 1 o'clock on August 23rd, 2011, that was the East Coast earthquake. 
And it was outside of Washington, D.C., which is where our webinar company was based. And they were in a brick building. And they called me and they said, we have to leave the building, so we're just going to press go. <laughs> and so we did the webinar. We had close to 12,000 people that were in attendance. <laughs> It was a fun, I mean, really, it, you know, I always, it, it cracks me up because, Why? so it, that's a record still stands, but it's, uh, and they try, they've tried to beat it a couple of times, but the funny thing was every time you do a webinar, every time you do a podcast or something, I always say something's going to go wrong. Something is, you just have to be able to deal with it and you can't plan for an earthquake. No, it's like we don't, don't really get, get them over <laughs> But it, it's, it, it's a fun thing to be able to talk about and to be able to realize that there's nothing that you can do that is going to make things better. You just have to be able to laugh about it and get a good story out of it. That's the way I look at things. That's awesome. So glad to have you here, Alyssa. Thank you so much. It wasn't so painful. You've been listening to Table Fries with host Gene Hopkins from Lola.com on the Funnel Radio Network. Be sure to subscribe on TableFries.com. Table Fries is brought to you by Lola.com. Super simple corporate travel software from the travel innovators who brought you Kayak. Whether you want better visibility into travel spend, help managing your corporate travel program, or 24-7 human-powered support while you're on the road, Lola.com is the perfect solution. Lola.com, a better way to travel for business.